0: Good evening. Good to see each one of you back in the Lord's house tonight. Would you stand, please? Let's turn to page 301. Page number 301, Redeemed. We'll sing all four verses as we begin our service together tonight. Sing it out on that first verse. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am, redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell, I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Child and forever I am I think of my blessed Redeemer I think of Him all the day long I sing for I cannot be silent His love is the theme of my song Redeemed, redeemed Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed, redeemed His child and forever I am. I know I shall see in His beauty the King in whose light I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. his child and forever I am. If you're redeemed, say amen tonight. Praise the Lord. Great start. Preacher. It's a blessing.
1: I always love it when we get to that last verse and Brother Eric still sings the King James Version of that song. Amen. And lovingly guardeth my footstep and giveth me song in the night. Amen. That's good stuff. Well, had a great day in the Lord. Amen. And uh, looking forward to tonight and sure glad to have Brother uh, Dave and Miss Grace Hardy uh, here with us and certainly no strangers and uh, we'd like to keep it that way amen and uh, just a real blessing so let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight ask God's blessing on our services we've got some announcements and things like that and then we'll get uh, right to it tonight I'm gonna ask brother Steve Parker if you would pray for us tonight Amen. will not you be seated uh, quickly tonight. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, don't forget about tonight, uh, right after the evening uh, service will be a linger-longer, just a fellowship over uh, in the fellowship hall, looking forward uh, to that. And then, of course, this Wednesday, uh, Brother Eric Watson uh, will be preaching. Of course, uh, as uh, Brother Parker was even praying and, and mentioned us, we'll be traveling, uh, heading out tomorrow and uh, flying uh, to Rome, uh, Italy, and uh, be there for about two and a half uh, weeks, and so uh, certainly would appreciate you praying uh, for us, and uh, you know, Brother Quinlan said this morning, pray he doesn't eat too much lasagna, and I said, don't pray that, amen, so... But I did want to mention some things. Of course, next Sunday, uh, uh, my favorite father-in-law, amen, uh, Brother Alan Cotton, uh, pastors Victory Bible Baptist Church uh, there in Pensacola, Florida, and so he's going to be preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night. sure appreciate them being willing to be here and kind of keep an eye on our kids and make sure they don't kill each other, amen. And uh, then, of course, uh, Sunday, September the 10th, Brother Jeff Copes uh, from Heartland Baptist Bible College. We'll be here preaching in the morning and evening service, and Brother Eric Watson's going to be preaching pretty much every Wednesday night uh, here in the next uh, four Wednesdays, and uh, I know that his study uh, going through the Psalms has been tremendous, and I know it's been encouraging and a blessing. I love I love the book of Psalms, and to hear preaching on it is just a blessing. Uh, I remember doing Bible reading one time, and it wasn't taking me in the Psalms every day, and I missed it, so I started reading it on my own, amen. And uh, but it's a real uh, blessing, and, and looking forward uh, to that. Did want to mention a couple of things though. Specifically, September the 22nd and 23rd is the Baptist Men's Recharge, and so again, men, if you haven't signed up for that and you'd like to go to that, make sure that you do. The sign-up sheet is in the outer foyer uh, there, and so please again make sure that you do uh, that. And you got till next uh, Sunday to sign up. Uh, for that. And then, of course, be much in prayer for our fall revival coming up October the 8th through the 13th. That's Brother Dean Herring, Uh, and and I know he is praying as well. We've been kind of talking a little bit, and so he's going to be, he will be a blessing, I promise you that. And so if you've never heard Brother Dean Herring preach, you're certainly in for a a treat. And uh, the only thing I don't like about the guy is he is a Georgia Bulldog fan, amen. Uh, But hopefully Georgia and Florida aren't playing that week, and that won't hinder the revival meeting. I did want to mention this, though, uh, because of the revival meeting, something that we do every year is that we fast and, and pray for the meeting that's coming up, and so we take weeks and we just fast from different things, deny ourselves of different things uh, so that we can be ready. And so September the 10th through the 16th, we'll be starting uh, that, and that week uh, along there will be your choice, maybe something in your life that gets too much of your time and your attention, and you just want to you know, put it away or deny yourself uh, that week. Certainly want to encourage you to do that. And so I've got kind of all the things lined out, but that's the first week. And I wanted to mention that because we won't, we will be coming back kind of in the middle of that. And I did mention this Wednesday night, I met with the deacons. And if you are out of country, you don't have to participate in the fasting. Amen. That's, no, I'm just kidding you. We will. Amen. We will. One of them be my phone so nobody can call me and I, I don't have to. Amen. Tell me.
0: Amen. Let's turn to page 298. Stand once again if you would. Page 298. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. We'll sing all three verses together tonight. Sing it out on the first. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away. Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender compassion. and glory filled my soul. Into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love, oh understanding a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came, took up of the offer of grace, he did proper, he saved me, oh praise his dear name. If you know, the Lord is your Savior. You have a lot to rejoice in. Amen. Praise the Lord for all he's done for us. And that's Brother Ethan Whitney. Would you pray for the offerings tonight, please? Amen. You may be seated. Amen. to be saved, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Page number 286, Saved by the Blood. Let's all stand one last time. We'll sing all four verses for our last song together. Page 286, Saved by the Blood. Lift it up on that first verse. Saved by the Blood. wonderful singing tonight. Just before the message tonight, we're going to have the waters come and sing.
1: Telling you the singing has just been a, a blessing today. Uh, think about this morning and tonight, and then I got to thinking, well, maybe they're maybe they're excited for us to get out of town for a couple of weeks. Amen. And then, then I thought well, maybe we're just excited because it's not 110 degrees outside. Amen. So and maybe it's a little of both. Amen. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Amen. So well, I appreciate Brother Dave Hardy, uh, and one of the things that I've, I'm very thankful for is his friendship. And taking the initiative to reach out and, and, to, and to befriend uh, men in the, in the ministry. And I can remember when Natalie and I first got there to, to Cassville and, and having uh, Brother Hardy. And I don't remember what we were doing. We were working um, in the church there, just gotten there and we were doing stuff. And, and I can remember sitting there and I, it must have been 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And we were there working in the church and Brother Hardy comes in the back door scared the daylights out of both of us but the reason he came by was because he I mean he just came out of his way and just wanted to see how we were doing and I every time I look down and my phone goes off and it's brother Dave Hardy and he's calling to see how I'm doing I really appreciate that and that's a real blessing and so thankful that they're here uh tonight and could be here with us and so brother Hardy you come and preach the word of God appreciate you being here preacher and appreciate your friendship so thanks so much pastor
2: Has Frank Wood ever been
1: here Yes, sir. Yeah, he'll be here in November. Brother Frank Wood, y'all remember Brother Frank
2: Wood? <laughs> I just went on vacation with him. He took me to Moab, and I thought, why would a friend take his friend over with all the Moabites? <laughs> According to my book, that's not the you know they're not really friendly to the people of God. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you know, I probably shouldn't have gone there. I was telling Pastor when we got back, we're traveling in we a motorhome for about 23 years, I mean, as far as being gone. I'm, after being at Eastland, 30 years kind of hit the road. But anyway, we left it parked at Brother Metzinger's because I'm going to be with him next Sunday night on one place and move it again. There's a lot of work to move. But while we were gone, did you know it got hot while we were gone? Yeah. I mean, it really got up there, didn't it? And um, the breaker kicked where it was plugged in. And so it was about 125 degrees in the motorhome. And the refrigerator was full of beef. And um, it was like that for about five days. (laughs) Venison and all that stuff. And I've smelled some bad things in my life. (laughs) But that's about as bad as I've smelled in a long time. So right now, we're trying everything on earth. You know, we've gone through about six different, did you know, usually with the saints, when you have a need, they can tell you how to fix it, and then it doesn't work, and the next one tries it, and so forth, or we're doing the best we can to kill that odor, and we've we've got it down some. But anyway, we had a great time with them, and it's good to be here again, uh, your preacher and wife, or just, I don't want to say it the wrong way, the kind of common people I fit. You know, it's like Abraham Lincoln said. He said, God must have loved the common man. He made a bunch of them. <laughs> so I guess that we're anything really uh, particular. Glad, of course, my wife is with me. And, and uh, be careful, Pastor Hill. She she can get Natalie. She'll tell her stuff. She probably doesn't need to know or something. It'll be rough on your 61 years with that girl. And, I'm, and I still enjoy and like it so very much. And then there's not just people you like to be around, but churches that you enjoy being in that seem to be real. And uh, that's really wonderful. Don't ever lose it. America's in such a great need um, right now. And I know sometimes it doesn't seem to be popular to try to be godly. And uh, the word holy doesn't make it around very much. But holiness and godliness are virtually synonymous. They They go together. And our country is in great need of it. And um, I'm not a negative person, but I am a, a realist to a great degree. And if something doesn't happen, we're going to lose the greatest country uh, since Israel. And, and I, I think God has been as good to us as He ever was to Israel. Preacher, sure I believe that. It's just unbelievable. You know, Americans forget that we're a baby. You want to read in my Bible about Ethiopia, you're not going to read in your Bible about America. Because it's not even been here, you know, 200 and something years. And these nations have been here 2,000 years. I mean, many of them. How come they're not the superpower? Have not been. A lot of Americans don't realize what God's done for us. I don't want to repeat myself, but I I just can't get away. Being in the military, and I, I can't preach easily without mentioning that. Uh, I was on submarines, but I had the privilege to ride the Ranger, the USS Ranger. I think that's where one of those movies, Top Gun or something, was made years ago. And I rode that back from Hawaii, and I just couldn't get away from the flight deck and watching those jets take off from the flight deck. They go from zero to over 200 miles an hour in about 2.2 seconds. Now, if any of you guys think you've got a hot rod with a lot of thrust, (laughs) those things will turn you wrong side out. And uh, so I was just amazed at that. And, of course, I, I knew they had helped. I mean, the jets are very powerful, but there's a catapult on that aircraft carrier, and it's like a slingshot, some of us boys would say, you know, where literally that catapult just almost takes that plane and throws it off. You know, God did that for America. We were a baby, and he threw us to the front. But we're not grateful. I'm not I'm not talking about just you or me, but you know what I'm talking about as a country. We're not grateful. And and God can't let that just go forever. I'm surprised he's put up with us. As, aren't you surprised he's put up with us as long as he has and everything like that. But anyway, I love America. And as long as I can breathe, I want to do anything I can to point them towards the Lord. If you have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm sure you do have it, and if you can stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, uh, that would be uh, wonderful. Be sure and pray for your pastor and his wife while they're gone. Right now, there's kind of a shortage on preachers around the country. A lot of our, I don't mean to sound wrong, but I I used to be real careful about how I spoke to old people, but (laughs) what are you laughing about? I can see her face right now. and She said, y- you talking about old people? <laughs> well, I-, I am their peer. So if I'm their peers, I can say it, can't I? Just like I could, whatever like that, uh, whatever the case on it. But anyway, and I don't know where I was going to go with that. I do that every now and then. I can't figure out where I was going to go. But that has to do with being an older, older person. But I do love America. And my dad fought it in World War II, all my uncles did, and I couldn't wait till I was old enough to pay my dues and uh, get into the Navy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, and beginning in verse 7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Now, that verse in itself is a great sermon. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for a sermon, there's three points and three good ones right there. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but instead of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel According to the power of God. Now I'll stop just for a moment and take note at the first part of verse 8. Be not therefore ashamed. We're going to see that word twice in our text tonight. In verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality into light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not, here's our word again, ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be in this good church, and pastor and his wife, and how do I deserve such good friendships, But sometimes I feel like I'm the richest man in the world when it comes to friendships, and I... I pray there's not one single Christian here that doesn't treasure friendships. want to get no people better. Brothers and sisters in Christ for eternity. What a wonderful thought that is. I pray tonight that you'd illumine our hearts and our minds to understand Bible truth. But then Lord, as we understand it, then as we do and we look at our lives, we need to adhere. Bible truth. So Lord, have your perfect way and whatever can be accomplished by our being together, we would never make a reputation of ourselves. We'd give you all the glory and all the praise because you alone are worthy. And I ask it in the most gracious name. Amen. may be seated. I know you've been in church for a long time and you're Bible students yourselves, but I remind you uh, that according to the commentators and others, this is the last letter that Paul ever penned. I can't help but think about that. Maybe the day will come or maybe it'll sneak up on me, but maybe the day will come when I'll have a few final thoughts to put on paper for my son Wayne, we have the one child, and of course we have grandchildren, great-grandchildren now. But that happens to all of us, isn't it? And I, I ponder now what I might say, but that maybe could change. I've always heard that when a man or a woman comes to that time in their life, and if they know about it and their mind is still working and so forth, they might have some very important things to say. There are times we just enjoy the fellowship with each other, and that can be lighthearted, whatever the case. There can be a lot of humoring with it. I love all of that. But there also comes a time when maybe you just have a little while to tell the most important things you can to those that you really love. That's what's taking place right here. Now, Paul's not at home. <laughs> He's in prison, in a Roman prison. It's really amazing how God took care of him to get into the Roman prison. I don't have time to deal with that. I just have a sermon on the military that I preach sometimes. A lot of people have never paid attention to how many times the word centurion is mentioned in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, the military really was involved in all that going on. And it was a centurion that made sure Paul had a place to himself when he was waiting his execution while paul penned while we are reading tonight now when i think about him doing that and probably shortly after that paul is gone has a whole new touch to me to know that he wanted me to hear that and of course he's writing it primarily to timothy he had preacher boys Timothy appeared to me from the times he spent time talking, maybe one right up front, but Titus as well, and, and probably others that, uh, that we don't know about. So it may be that the next sound that Paul heard was the footsteps of the executioner. As so he came down the hall. At the same time, I dare you to show me where Paul wasn't at complete peace of what God was doing in his life. I want to be like that. Don't you want to be like that? Just to have the faith and the confidence in the Lord and knowing him so many, and we've known him so many years, probably known him more years than Paul did. Because many of us were saved young, all these years. So I think about what a great, I can't wait to meet him. (laughs) What a wonderful thing that's going to be. So as a, a title, if I'm to have one, when Paul is saying to Timothy, see, it seems he has a little bit of fear for Timothy, because twice he said, Timothy, son, don't be ashamed. Maybe all of us could, it would help all of us to hear that again, wouldn't it? See, the word ashamed means to almost like feel a guilt because of what you did or whatever the case To want to shy back from it or whatever, and yet Paul is telling Timothy, don't do it. Now, I would say that a lot of us would understand quickly how easy it is to be ashamed of some things that are very good. Sometimes it's just the nature of the kind of person that we are. I'd be one of those. If I had been a traveling salesman, I wouldn't be here tonight. I would have starved to death within about two weeks because I'm just not good at that. But if you put me in a craftsman tool department, anybody remember craftsman? (laughs) And you came in to buy some, I would sell you more than you could carry out. But it is a little more different, isn't it? To go down the street and walk up on someone's porch and knock on it, and they maybe don't want to be bothered or anything like that. So I'm not saying these these things are easy. But still, I think we are being told here don't be ashamed. And I think there's four reasons, that, we're, at least we're given in this text, we might could go farther, that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. I'd say first of all, because it's a gospel of power. <laughs> now look at verse 7 again. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. I just want to say to you, when we face fear, and that could be actually knocking on someone's door or whatever, trying to talk to someone, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If it didn't come from God, it only could have come from one person. I call him smutty face. I don't know what to call him, but he sure can strike fear into the heart of the Christian when he's trying to do God's work. And Paul is saying to us at the same time, don't do it. Timothy, Timothy. He loved Timothy. invested in Timothy. Timothy, don't be ashamed. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us power and love and a sound mind. That's good stuff. If you got those three, you're way ahead the average person out here. I'm thankful that the Lord would help us with that. So he says in verse eight, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, be thou partakers, and here it is, afflictions. There's probably going to be some. If you've been a child very long, somewhere, somehow, you kind of got the raw side of something, if I could say it that way. And uh, chances are, it may happen again. The gospel of power. It was in 1866 that a guy named Alfred Noble, you've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize, probably, invented a great explosive, didn't know what to call it, talked to some of his friends, One or two of them knew a little bit of Greek and said, Alfred, in the Bible, when they talk about the power of God, it's uh, dunamis. If you kind of move that over into English, it's, you know, dynamite. And we have the Nobel Peace Prize today because that dynamite was a tremendous, you know, invention or explosive that we still have with us today. He has the Nobel Peace Prize because the majority of his dynamite are similar things to dynamite that he made was used in the war times to kill people. And so then to try to balance that would be like the Nobel Peace Prize. And I think about it, There is a lot of power in dynamite. I don't probably want to mess with any of them. Use them for firecrackers or anything else like that because it is so powerful. I mean, you can take dynamite and look at a skyscraper that took them maybe three years to build and bring that thing down in about 15 minutes and almost straight down. It's unbelievable. There's a lot of power there. We think about, man, look at the power. That power is nothing compared to the power of God. Because somewhere back in time, and as far as I know, no one could say and put their finger on it, that an omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing God stepped out on nothing. Pardon, because nothing's all there was back then. Stepped out and spoke into existence with a fiat of His Word everything that anybody has ever seen or ever will see. I'm thinking, that's power. That's power. And we need to keep that in mind when we're trying to serve the Lord. Now I read the story... A while back, preparing for this, I've had this sermon for a while, and uh, about an old New York gangster. He was a pickpocket. And so in New York, you know, there's a lot of people up there. And so he'd just go down the street and pick people's pockets. And the police had picked him up several times. He never had hurt anybody, you know, he, he wasn't violent or anything like that. But he got tired of it, put him in prison. Uh, for a couple of years, and then he got out, and he's making his way back across town again going to find his crony buddies, and he didn't have any money, and he's walking down the sidewalk, and their sidewalks are as big as our roads. If you've been to New York City and things like that, you'd know how big that place is. And he's looking for people coming his way so that he could pick out the one he could, you know, he'd been doing it for years. He was good at it. Saw a businessman coming towards him, and you know, with a suit on, and sure enough, bumped him and reached in his pocket and slipped out his wallet and, So forth, and then turned into an alleyway to uh, see what he had. But he had picked the pocket of a Christian man. He didn't get a wallet. He got a New Testament. (laughs) And then on the sidewalk, opened the New Testament. Wouldn't you know God had caused him to open it right into Romans and trusted Christ as his personal Savior Went on across town, told his cronies, unless you get saved or something, I probably won't see you much anymore. Is that power? Can change a man's life like that? We can't afford to be ashamed of the gospel. Now, I've got to admit, there have been some times, I guess, I hate to call it a shame, because I don't know if that really fits, but there's been some times I should have said something I didn't. Anybody else like me? Or? You wished you had. Yeah. And maybe that time would come again. I never will forget when I uh, got out of submarine school. That I joined the Navy in 61. And then after boot camp, I, I went to New London, Connecticut to go to submarine school. And I had finished submarine school and had been transferred to Charleston, South Carolina. And when I got to Charleston, South Carolina, that's where the Navy base was. I finally found a place where we could live and things like that. And those are all stories to themselves. But I remember going over to the Navy base the first day. I'm telling you, I'm 17 years old. I'm not a big man now. I was really skinny then. If I hadn't had big feet, I'd have gone down the shower probably a long time ago and probably, uh, probably would have drowned or went on out to sea or something like that. I don't know what would happen to me, but... I remember getting on the base and then over to the submarine pier and walking down that submarine pier and I'm looking at these low-slung man of wars. I didn't want to be on a cargo ship. I'm going to be in the military. I'm going to fight if that needs to be. I walked down and sure enough, there she was, a USS Senate, S-E-N-N-E-T. All the submarines in World War II were named after fish. That was SS 408, was a number. And I had my orders, you know, I'd never been there yet before. And I got to where the gangplank went over on the pier, and I turned and saluted Old Glory. Permission to come aboard. And the topside watch said, Permission granted. I went over, gave him my orders. He opened them up, started writing them down in the logbook. In a little bit, he said, Hardy, where are you from? I said, I'm from Texas. He said, put her there, buddy. I thought, this is good. (laughs) One Texan to another Texan. And uh, i got to admit, I was somewhat nervous, things like that. I've not done anything like that before. And he said in a few minutes, I'm going to be off watch here in 10 minutes. I'm going to take you over on the beach and buy you a drink. Now, I'm a Texas boy and I drink Dr. Pepper, but that wasn't what he had in mind. You know what he had in mind. Now, when a sailor says beach, he doesn't necessarily mean there's any sand or any water. He means it's where the nightlife is. And I'm going to take you over and buy you a drink. And here's the hardest part for me, I think. He meant well, didn't he? I was new on the submarine or didn't know anybody, and he was trying to make me feel at home. But I'm a Christian. Do you ever have a battle take place on the inside about, <laughs> thank you? I, I was having one big time. And I, and I said, well, and I made all the excuses I could. They really were true. My wife would be waiting on me and I need to go and all this kind of stuff. But he said, no, sir. You're from Texas and I'm from Texas. I'm going to buy you a drink and that's it. I just took a breath and I said, um, I'm a Christian. I don't drink with anybody. I can give you his words verbatim. I'll be able to give them to you when I die. Right before I die. (laughs) He said, look me right in the eye. I don't like you. Now that means something to you, but it doesn't mean enough. Now if we're going to have a submarine we're going to close this thing in. It's not going to be this tall. If you get higher than that, you're going to bang your head. And nobody's going anywhere for three months. And fights can break out. In other words, they say the number one thing you got to have to stay on a submarine is the ability to get along with people wouldn't hurt bad just try that a little bit <laughs> every now and then are you beginning to feel a little bit how I felt I felt lonely and it didn't take him long to tell everybody there's a holy joke coming on the submarine is a great way to start are you complaining well I I wish I could have made a friend I wish we could have said, hey, could I buy you a Coke? I said, no, but I'd take a Dr. Pepper (laughs) or something like that. Did this text tell you that our God's a powerful God? So I'm just going to jump down the road, and then I'll come back to the text here. So about two years later, when my son was a week and a half old, I headed off to South America for over four months. And that's hard in itself, but I'm not here to tell you about that. While we're going on that trip, and by the way, this guy's name was Sammy Jack. I won't give you his last name. And of all things, I went up working for him. And it wasn't fun. But about halfway around South America, we they would give liberty ever so often. And of course, I'd made... Promise with the Lord, I said, Lord, when the sun goes down, this sub, this sailor's going to be on the submarine. I'm married to a girl, and I'm going to be faithful to that girl. And the other guys, a lot of them, not all of them, but most of them would go and drink do whatever else they're going to do. So Sammy Jack went over, and I was an E3, which is I'm just barely out of boot camp and everything like that, and he was an E5, he was two grades above me. But he uh, he didn't come back in by the time he was supposed to. That's not good. The fact is, they made sure he understood that wasn't good. I had just made E4 as that happened, and then he got busted about two weeks after that. Well, I never thought too much about it. I was up in the Ford Torpedo room, and he came in giving me some bad time and One of the other torpedo men above me said, Hardy, you don't understand how the military works, do you? And I said, well, I'm trying to understand. He said, you know, he just got busted. I said, yeah, but he was an E5, and I was just an E3. And I came from E3 to E4, but he came from E5 back and said, it doesn't make any difference the way you come. Whoever comes first has got seniority. You've only got two weeks, but you've got more than him. Smile broke out on my face. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that because nothing, i would never able to reach him with the gospel. I'm just telling you, God is powerful. He can, he can do what he wants to when he wants to, but he's looking for men and women and young people through whom he can show himself strong. And I'm not claiming to be one of those. And it amazes me sometimes I look and see what God does on my behalf. A lot of you can give testimonies about that. You'll never see him work unless you can follow kind of like what Paul said here. But shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, first of all, because it's a gospel of power. And number two, because it's a gospel of purpose. Now, look at verse 9. What a great verse, just chock-full. Who hath saved us, and I hadn't gotten over that. That's still amazing to me. I remember the sermon that was preached. I remember the song that was sung that night. Uh, right before the service, and I remember trusting Christ as my personal Savior in 1958 in Arlington, Texas, at a church that a big Sunday was about 30 people. God can do it in a small church, a medium-sized church, any size church. Who hath saved us, and look at this, called us with a holy calling. Well, um, I think some Christians don't know they've got a holy calling. He's not just talking about preachers here. You say, well, preacher, I don't have any kind of calling. Really? Are you familiar with the word vocation? The root is vocal, which means to call. If you're an electrician, you may think that's your electrician because you're just supposed to fix electrical stuff. That's not what God thinks. God thinks he gave you that ability which will let you be in people's homes and in businesses and everything so that you can be a witness for Christ. We all have a calling or a vocation to a degree. As a matter of fact, if you get right down to it. God's really into commerce. He's the first one told Adam that people say, you know, if Adam hadn't have fallen, we wouldn't have any work to do. That is absolutely not true. Before we ever fell, God said, you get in there and tend that garden and get that work done. God's really into commerce. You know, I don't want to get that text, you know, where you have the penny or this or that, whose inscription is on it, whatever the case. But I'm telling you, God's more concerned about us getting saved and reaching people he is about money and income. But commerce is... You'll never run out of prospects with commerce. You can never find more people any place than you can, except at work. And it works so good. Holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, is grace. What a great verse which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You didn't know it all, but He knew it all. And He still knows it all. I want you to turn in your Bibles. Don't lose your spot here because we're going to come right back to Romans 8.28. I know some of you probably quote that often. It's a great verse in the Word of God. But one that caught my attention not too long after I had gotten out of the Navy in a special way, Romans eight twenty eight. Now, I don't know where you'll find much of a greater promise than right here. It says verse 28, and we know that... What's the next word? All. all. That's what it says, doesn't it? How much does all mean? All. You got it. It means everything. And we know that all things work together for the good. To them, got two qualifiers. You can't take those out or it won't work. We're good to them that love God, number one, called according to His purpose, number two. Well, I don't know um, how you can really determine how much somebody loves God. Only they maybe know. And all of us here probably say, I don't love Him much as I should. And we're working on it. I'm telling you, we're just sinners saved by grace and I don't know when you think about God's love that you and I can say, we equate to that very much because we're trying and God knows when we're trying. And Lord, we do love you. We know it's not like your love for us, but we want it to be. And someday it'll be perfect and that'll be good. So I think we might be doing better with that one than called according to his purpose. So how much thought have you given to what God's purpose is for your life? So, for instance, if I started going down the row and said, oh, tell me what God's purpose is for you here. What is it? Now, God's not going to tell us this without us being able to know, you know, what that purpose is. Now, I'll just give you an illustration. When I got out of the Navy, I had electronics and electricity in the Navy, and... uh, um, and I even had services on the submarines, but, but you probably, some of y'all probably know that. So I'm just going to move on past that because a captain asked me to do it. And I was happy to do it. That was amazing. That's a lot. Of, I could take a whole lot tonight talking about things like that, how the Lord works. I think sometimes He works the best under difficult circumstances. He shows Himself uh, grace at that, uh, great at that time. So, anyway, I get out of the Navy. And as uh, far as I know, uh, my military career is over. And electronics and electricity and those kind of things were just, you know, that's what I did uh, while I was on that submarine. And I enrolled at the University of Texas at Arlington for electrical engineering. And I thought, okay, I'll be an electrical engineer because the Navy schools had a lot of that and I was used to it. And in fact, it was, it, it was like candy to me. It was real easy for me to do. And I thought, man, if I could be an electrical engineer, I'd make some more money and I'd make the woman happy. <laughs> You could give more tithe and faith promise and all that kind of stuff. And that makes the pastor happy. So I can make a lot of people happy. And so I paid and got started at UTA. And then the Holy Spirit started working on me. And he said, you don't belong on this campus. Now, no one's argued with the Holy Spirit but me, right? (laughs) You've done everything he said. (laughs) He said. And I argued with him. I said, "What do you mean? I mean, I mean, God had to have something to do with the fact that they wanted me to do electronics and electricity. That really wasn't my vocation part in the Navy and everything, but it happened and so forth that I got no peace. Well, it was a little seminary. It was actually a Bible college, but they called it a seminary in Arlington, Texas back then, that a guy named J. Frank Norris had started. And uh, so I went over and talked to Dr. Martin. He was a counselor till in my situation. He said, well, Dave, I don't know what to tell you to do. Maybe you ought to drop out over there and come over here and see if God talks to you. Well, first thing I thought of, oh, yeah. Pay all that tuition, buy books, walk off the campus. And I thought, it's God's business. This place is history. And I walked off that campus. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of decisions to make in life. And some of them, we're not going to like. I went over there and I wasn't there, but just a few weeks. And I thought, yeah, I don't belong over at UTA. And of course, I didn't spend my whole time there. I spent a year at Arlington and I'm off to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri and the rest of that Is kind of history at that point but now what if I had just said I paid my money and books and I've been faithful to church and I'm going to make money and I'm going to give it for me and I I would. I've been tied ever since I got saved but the Lord says uh, David you want this verse to fit yes sir I really do And you do what purpose I got. Not your purpose. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, do we have any electronic geeks and stuff around here? How many of y'all know about Ohm's Law? I'm not going to ask you to repeat it. Somebody put your hands up. (laughs) Ohm's Law is harder. I mean, it's easier to figure out than Bantus. (laughs) Because it's always, you know, Just get E times, (laughs) high times R. yeah. So we get it together like that. I'm just saying, it'd be a lot easier to be an electrical engineer than to be a pastor, or deacon, or Sunday school teacher, or any time you're working with people, it's more easy to work with something like that. I'm just saying, I'm thankful, you know, that God works the way he does. So it's a gospel of power, it's a gospel of, of purpose. And then I think also, you know, it's a gospel of life. Going back to our text in verse 10, gospel of power, gospel of purpose, and a gospel of life. You like life? Uh-oh, we don't have a lot of corpses around here before. Huh? <laughs> I like life. I like to be around people with life. You see, I'm getting old. So? You can still have life. So he says here in this verse, you know, um, but it's now made manifest, verse 10, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He says that life comes from the truth of the gospel. That we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. I love being around people that have life. And I know someone say, well, you know, he's getting old and she's getting old. We all going to get old. But how we get old is completely and totally up to us. I don't want to be down on anyone, but I know a lot of young people don't have any life. You know, you go to Walmart and you're seeing a 14-year-old boy hanging over a basket and he barely can push that thing. (laughs) You say, what would life do? I'd even have a flamethrower and show him he can move faster than that if he had a little motivation. (laughs) People like to be around other people with life. And I'm really convinced, Pastor, that sometimes in our independent Baptist churches, we've got doctrine, we've got preaching, we've got teaching, but sometimes we can lose our children and have less effect because they can't see that we're enjoying the life that God promised us, and that's our fault. (laughs) What does it say? We might have life and have it abundantly. You think he's just writing that because he wanted to fill in the pages? I'm looking at my little woman of 61 years here. she got more life than a lot of the ladies I know that's half her age. That's because she chooses to. I love, you know, what A.W. Tozer said. This is, if you don't have this quote, you write her down. A.W. Tozer said, God lives in a constant state of enthusiasm. Think of that. A constant state of enthusiasm. God lives in a constant state of enthusiasm. You like word studies? We've got to have some English people in here. Miss Thistlebottom around here someplace? I mean, you know. What about a word study? Enthusiasm, you've got in, prefix, ism, suffix. Then you've got the root in the minute, th- middle, which is theus. <coughs> means theos. Theos means God. Enthusiasm basically means in god You know, God's like a red ant out of Texas. He never stops moving, I don't think. I mean, He's always creating or something's always happening. But I think we lose our young people sometimes because they can't see any of that, but there's no reason why that God's people can't. I... We we just enjoying so many stuff. I remember one time being at a fellowship meeting. I don't think I ever mentioned this around here, but I don't. It was been years and years ago, probably while I was still pastoring. So twenty something years plus. And so uh, I had spoken that night, and it wasn't a big church. But then you know I I stepped down, and a few preachers came around and their wives, and, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but it kind of fits the text a little bit. and so one of the preachers said, You and your wife still riding that gold wing? I said, Yeah. You ought to hear those culottes flap at 75 miles an hour, man. <laughs> and if you turn it far enough on those hills over where you used to be around Cashfield, sparks will come up. You know? Mm mm-hmm. Motorcycle tires aren't flat like car tires. If your man doesn't know that, get rid of him. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> motorcycle tires are rounded, so you gotta you gotta do that, or they won't wear even. You. you can tell somebody knows how to ride a motorcycle or not just by looking at his tires. Amen. I got a I got a an name in, and uh, this pastor's wife, had asked me, and I told him, and she said, I ain't getting on no motorcycle. Well, it's fine with me. I don't care if she gets on a motorcycle or not, but she just jumped in a conversation, gave her two cents. And one of the other guys said, Your church still going to snow camp? I said, you have not seeing anything till you've seen Okies roll down a ski slope because they don't know how to ski. <laughs> <laughs> they look like sheep that's been dipped and the fleas are coming off. I mean, is they just, And I don't usually get a headache. My wife, will tell you, it kind of bothers her. I don't ever get headaches except I get one in the back of my head when I laugh too much. And I laughed until I turned purple nearly, watching Oakies try to ski down that mountain. (laughs) Eastland Baptist Church started doing that in 1975, and they still go. And uh, so anyway, the same lady said, I mean same one. I ain't getting on no skis. Okay. <laughs> well, then time went a little bit farther, and then someone else said, I heard you and your wife hike the Grand Canyon. I said, Yes, we have. North rim, all the way down, all the way across, back up, about 25, 26 miles. I don't remember exactly what it is now. I said, We've been in there three or four times. That place is beautiful. She carries, you know, about a 25 to 28 pound pack, and I carry about a 35 to 40 pound pack. and Something like that. I mean, it's just beautiful. I want to go through that thing again. I don't know if we'll get the time to go do it, but I want to do it. And the third time, (laughs) the lady said, I ain't hiking no Grand Canyon. (laughs) Now, Pastor, you don't ever lose your dignity, or does he? (laughs) I talked to Natalie later. (laughs) In other words, just saying, I didn't mean to be unkind, it just popped out. No with I'm, just, I'm just thinking about that woman there that's sixty-one years old. Yeah, I'm sixty-one years old. She's nearly she'll be eighty years old in about three months. That I've been married to sixty-one years, and I just couldn't have I looked at that woman and said, Well, ma'am, I'm glad I didn't marry you. <laughs> now I repent. <laughs> A gospel of power, a gospel of purpose, a gospel of life. What a great God. Just one more thought and then we are done here. And It's a gospel of service as well. Paul says in verse 11, Whereunto I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. You say I'm not any of those. Well, you better think about that. Because everybody's probably preaching a little bit. In fact, some of y'all are going to get accused of it. Some of you ladies and men as well, maybe, uh, when you're at some place where you work or whatever the case. And an apostle, apostle means a sent one. When you leave your church to go on visitation, that's about as close as you're going to get to be an apostle. Because that, they were sent ones, and, and we are sent ones as too, and our missionaries as well. And, uh, of course, not only that, to appoint a teacher an apostle, and of the Gentiles. All these things, preacher, apostle, teacher, that that we uh, can do. You know, one of the greatest joys, I think, in life is to mentor someone. And I, I don't know how successful I've been, but I've run across a number of young men, you know, teach at Heartland 10 years, so there was a lot of young men and when those I have all of them give me a testimony, you know when they came in, first came to the class, when they stand up and say, my dad left when I was five, and I've never seen him since then. You could shoot an arrow right through there. And I think I'm going to have some time with that young man one way or the other. We've all only got so much time down here to do something, and the day will come when it's all wrapped up. I have lived longer than any of the Mel Hardys I know about right now, and I'm not all that old. I'm just saying our lifespan is not that long, and I don't know how long it could be, and I'm not concerned about it. I'm just going to use it as long as I got it. And so you come to the time when it's all over and you can read in papers and things about what you should do. Be sure and tell your neighbors this and make sure you tell your family all your wishes and all that kind of stuff. And you can make your will and make sure everything goes where you want to go. And The only thing your will is going to do is distribute your junk. You, want to listen, you listen to this. The only way you're going to leave a testimony... Is by someone you leave behind. That you led to the Lord or help. Serve God. It's the only way to leave part of yourself. And every single person here can do it. Because the needs out there are beyond number. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I've already tried to share. It's not always easy to say something. Be careful. Be kind. Be gracious. But if you get pushed in a corner, don't be mean. But let them know. I'm I'm not stepping over that line. God's been good to me, loved me, and saved me, and I can do it. Now, if you'll think about it, you know somebody that you can influence. And if you possibly can, and teenagers can too, the fact is teenagers can influence each other more than almost anybody else nearly. And someday somebody will say to you, and it wasn't for you, I, I don't know where I would really be. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father,